Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. by the Kingsman, the soundtrack to raucous parties and good times. You might even remember John Belushi beerily belting it out with the other frat boys in the 1978 film Animal House. You can try to tell what the lyrics say too, a bit like the FBI did when it investigated the song for obscenity. Who knows what they're singing? And please don't assume that the Kingsmen were actually the ones that wrote the track. From KCRW's series Lost Notes, David Weinberg tells the true story of Louis Louis. It's a warm April night in Anaheim, California, 1955. Richard Berry is sitting in his dressing room at the Harmony Park Ballroom. He's about to go on stage. So you got a black guy in Orange County singing R&B to white kids in the most segregated part of Southern California. Suddenly, his ears perk up. The opening band is a Latin trio, and through the wall, Barry can hear them playing. All he's really hearing is the beat. That was part of what was important about it. It's that beat that changes Richard Barry's life forever. When he hears it, he reaches for the nearest scrap of paper. He scrawls out a name, and actually, he writes it twice. From that scrap of paper, a song emerges, one that becomes a powerful force in America. That name that Richard Berry wrote down on a scrap of paper was Louis, which became the title of the song, Louis Louis, a song that years later became an anthem and one of the most recorded songs in history. But all of that happened by chance. Barry's version, the original recording of Louis Louis, wasn't the one that became a huge hit. The one that rose to the top of the charts was recorded by a band of white kids, the Kingsmen from the Pacific Northwest, who were still in high school when they recorded it in 1963. And against all odds, against all logic, it was their version that became the most famous. Because if you listen close, the recording is kind of terrible. The singer's problem is that there's a boom mic over his head, and he thinks he has to stretch his neck up to be heard while he's singing. Dave Marsh is a music writer and author of the book Louie Louie, the history of the world's most famous rock and roll song. Unfortunately, these guys were in high school and had no goddamn idea what they were doing, none whatsoever. The singer Jack Eli, who's wearing braces, sang into the wrong part of the microphone. Which is why, on the band's first take of Louie Louie, the lyrics are nearly impossible to understand. And Eli screws up and comes in too early on a verse. (laughs) 
And then there is the moment when the drummer, Lynn Easton, drops his drumsticks mid-song and yells out the word So after that first disastrous take, the band naturally expected to do another one. After all, you can't yell in the middle of a song and expect it to become a huge radio hit, right? But because studio time was expensive and the producer was a cheapskate, they called it a wrap. And the Kingsman's fate was sealed forever. The idea that the Kingsman's version, this disastrous amateur recording, would become the definitive recording, it's totally bonkers. But it also makes total sense. This is no mortal song we're talking about. This is Louie Louie, a rock and roll miracle that throughout its strange life defied all logic. Louie Louie gets its power from its simplicity, from its primitive howl in the face of all that is proper and refined. It's the essence of rock and roll distilled into three chords and a haphazard pile of indecipherable words. It's a disaster of a recording, sure, but it's a magnificent disaster. Unfortunately, there was an even bigger disaster waiting for the song's writer, Richard Berry. Just a few years before Louie Louie made it big for the Kingsman, he was broke and needed cash to buy his future wife an engagement ring. So Berry sold away the rights to this and some other songs, literally for peanuts, 750 US dollars. His timing couldn't have been worse. Here's David Weinberg again. So how did this flawed version of Louie Louie become one of the biggest hit songs in American history? It was played as the worst song of the week. Annie Ginsberg, your host up and down the New England coast seven nights a week. A Boston radio DJ named Arnie Woo Woo Ginsberg chose the Kingsman's Louie Louie to play as part of his weekly segment, The Worst Record of the Week. But after Ginsberg played Louie Louie, the phone started ringing. Listeners loved it and wanted to know where they could get a copy. And the song started rising on the charts and getting airplay all over the country. There we have a little bit of song for you and the song that we feel is still going to be a big hit around. I like that very much. When K-E-W-B, that's going to be very hot sound. You never know what's going to be a hit. And I'll miss my guess if that one isn't. People who liked rock and roll understood that it was a work of some kind of perverse genius. So that made it successful. And then the governor of Indiana stepped in. On January 21st, 1964, the governor of Indiana, Matthew Welsh, received a letter from a teenager who said the lyrics to Louie Louie were dirty. So Welsh and his executive secretary procured a copy of the record and listened to it. At first, they couldn't make out the lyrics. But as Welsh later claimed, after slowing the record down, he could make out the words. And they were so filthy that he said his ears tingled. And Welsh was not the only government official to get a complaint about Louie Louie. On January 30th, the United States Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy received a letter from an angry father. Here's an excerpt. Dear Mr. Kennedy, who do you turn to when your teenage daughter buys and brings home pornographic or obscene materials being sold in every city, village, and record shop in this nation? I would like to see these people, the quote-unquote artist, the record company, and the promoters, prosecuted to the full extent of the law. These morons have gone too far. Along with the letter, the father submitted a copy of the supposed dirty lyrics, which are as follows. Louie, oh no. Grab her way down low. There's a fine little girl waiting for me. She is just a girl across the way. Then I take her all alone. 
She's never the girl I lay at home. Tonight at 10, or lay her again. Will your girl, and by the way, and on that chair, all lay her there. Because the lyrics in the Kingsman's version of Louis Louis are so unintelligible, the song became a sort of Rorschach test in America. The listener heard what they wanted to hear. Like a magnificent cloud drifting across the sky, not everyone looks up and sees the same shape. And kids in junior high, because they are kids in junior high, heard phrases like bone in her hair and get her wang on. And they wrote down these dirty lyrics and passed them around like a playboy snatched from dad's secret porn stash. Of course, to find out what the real lyrics were, all one had to do was contact the record company who put out Louie Louie. And when the FBI launched their investigation, that's what they did. But when they read the real lyrics, a Jamaican sea shanty written by Richard Berry, they still didn't think they were the actual words sung by the Kingsmen. And so began an 18-month FBI investigation. Some of the FBI agents sat around record players listening to Louie Louie at various speeds, trying to hear the words wang on and bone in her hair. While other agents got more exciting assignments, like going to see the Kingsmen on their nationwide tour. In fact, I recall one time specifically in a motel in Massachusetts, I think we were all in one large room, they knock on the door and it was FBI. This is Kingsman keyboard player Barry Curtis again. They checked us out pretty thoroughly, saw nothing was going on, kids drinking Cokes and, oh, smoking cigarettes and watching TV. Later that night, the band played their show to hundreds of teenage fans and a couple of FBI agents. And they couldn't ultimately find anything wrong with our performance, at least in terms of being lascivious. Curtis and his bandmates thought the whole thing was ridiculous. It was a sea shanty. And ultimately, the banning of Louie Louie and all the press it got was the best possible thing that could have ever happened to the Kingsmen. I'll just reiterate what so many others have said about things. If you're going to ban something, be careful, because instead of selling 2 million, it sold maybe 10 million records. And you know, it wasn't a hit for like one summer. It was a hit two summers in a row, which never happens. I mean, it doesn't happen to this day. Maybe a Beatles record. It got to be almost like Beatlemania. It wasn't so much our band was so cool like the Beatles, but our song was so hugely popular that they just assumed we were cool. <laughs> In the end, the FBI's conclusion wasn't that the lyrics weren't dirty. It was that they had no idea what the hell the Kingsmen were saying. In fact, after 18 months of listening to the song over and over again and following the band around, these ace investigators didn't even notice that the drummer yells F right in the middle of the song. So the FBI closes its case. And by December of 1963, Louie Louie had climbed to number two on the charts. It never did reach number one. And what song, you might be wondering, beat out Louie Louie for that number one spot? Well, that would be Dominique by The Singing Nun. Dominique, nique, nique, s'en allait tout simplement routier, pauvre do you really think that for a week, while Louis Louis was that hot, that Dominica by the Singing Nun sold more records that week? I don't believe that. I think that that's just what they needed to do because it was too disreputable to let Louis Louis be number one. And I'm dead serious. And I, I think the same thing still goes on today. Meanwhile, Louis Louis' influence spread like wildfire throughout the world. 
But the man who wrote it, Richard Berry, was largely unaware that his Jamaican sea shanty had entranced young white kids across the globe. In 1978, the movie Animal House was released, and Louie Louie was featured multiple times in the movie. A whole new generation discovered the song as a party anthem for frat boys. And again, it started generating buckets of money for Max Fiertag, the man who bought the song from Richard Berry for $750. Berry, though, lived with his mother in south-central Los Angeles. His marriage to Dorothy had ended. She was now a backup singer with Ray Charles. And Barry was barely getting by, still playing in late-night dive bars. He said he would come out of these clubs in the morning to the sunlight and just think what it's going to be like when he would do this for the last time and come across the threshold and just fall down on his face and die, and nobody would know who the hell he was. And he wouldn't have any money in his pocket to bury himself. During this period, Barry's friend Jim Dawson, a member of the local doo-wop society, would get Barry gigs occasionally here and there. I would pick him up and take him to, like, a, a cable TV show or something like that. Meanwhile, Louis Louis continued to generate millions of dollars for Max Fiertag. I can never figure out why he wasn't really pissed off, or at least why he didn't show it. He just didn't seem to have a mean bone or an angry bone in his body. He was not an aggressive person. And I think part of the problem was that these guys, especially back then when they were really dealing with the, the white power structure, is they needed a, an asshole, you know, a guy, usually a white guy, an attorney, who could just go in, you know, and would make demands. Richard Berry might have lived out the rest of his life in poverty. But in 1984, a friend of Richard's put him in touch with the kind of white asshole, no offense, who knew how to make demands, a guy named Chuck Rubin. How's the beat go? Da-da-da-t, da-da-t, da-da-da-t, da-da-t. I think that's the best I can do. Chuck Rubin is the founder and president of Artist Rights, a company that helps musicians get the rights to their music back. Barry called Rubin up and told him about how he'd sold the rights to Louie Louie and several other songs for $750. He said that he hoped that I would have some time to look into his case and see whether or not there was anything that could be done. But because Barry sold the rights willingly, he really didn't have much of a case. Nevertheless, Rubin said he would see what he could do. And then nothing happened, and Barry continued to grind out an existence on welfare. A year went by after his conversation with Chuck Rubin, then another year. I think a few years, uh, maybe two 1986 rolled around. And then this opportunity just opened up, and uh, quite frankly, I felt that we could take advantage of it, and it worked. What happened was that California Cooler, a brand of sugary neon green wine cooler, wanted to launch a big national ad campaign featuring frat boys and sorority girls in swimsuits dancing on the beach to the Kingsman's version of Louie Louie. Over 20 years of research and development have gone into every bottle of California Cooler. When Chuck Rubin got wind of the pending commercial, he saw his opportunity. Even though he had no chance of winning a lawsuit, Rubin figured that just the threat of one might scare California coolers away. And Rubin was right. Fiertag, the man who owned Louis Louis, agreed to make a deal to avoid losing the lucrative commercial contract. He would give Barry 75% of the rights to Louis Louis. But of that 75%, Barry had to give half to Chuck Rubin. 
It wasn't ideal, but for Barry, half of 75% was better than nothing. And in that first year alone, Barry made more money off Louis Louis royalties than he had in his entire career as a musician. David Weinberg with part of Louis Louis, The Strange Journey of the Dirtiest Song Never Written. And that's from KCRW's series Lost Notes. And special thanks to Lost Notes executive producer Nick White for letting me play that to you. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.